Hello, and welcome to another episode of Blood on the Rocks. I'm your host, Akshay Taylor, and today, uh, it's another solo mission, and it's going to be a short one this week, unfortunately. Um, I only have one story, but I think it's a pretty good one. Uh, I get to tell you about another badass lady of history, this time from World War II, and it's an adventure of a name to save me, so um, you have to bear with me. Today, I'm going to be telling you about Maria Vasilyevna Okshia In theory, that would sound right after editing. <laughs> now, no drink this week either. I'm just on coffee tonight, I think. Um, I'm going to record this, edit, probably nap, wake up, do some more uni work. So we'll see how it goes. But either way, I think we should be good this time. So anyway, uh, this week we've got a promo for the short stories of Audrey Peterson. A bit different, but yet some short, dark stories. But yeah, you should go check. You should go check her podcast out. It's it's definitely worth a try. So anyway, we'll play that promo, and um, I'll see you in a few seconds. Hey folks, how's it going? My name is Augie Peterson. I'm a self-published author and host of the short stories of Augie Peterson, the podcast. Once I realized that not everyone has the attention span to sit in front of a screen and read them, I decided to turn my two blogs into a podcast. On Tuesdays, I read some of my original work. That might mean a story, a chapter from my current work in progress, or a contest entry I'm super proud of. I'm a firm believer that happy endings are overrated, so don't expect to find any in my stories. On Thursdays, I review bad horror movies. I peruse Netflix, Amazon Prime, and even Redbox for the worst of the worst, and sarcastically let you in on what I thought of them. If you can't laugh along with me or handle sarcasm, you might want to skip my Thursday episodes. At some point, I even hope to have guests. Right now you can find me on Podbean, iTunes, and Google Play. I look forward to creeping you out. See you on the other side. Toodaloo. Mm-hmm. And we are back. So, Maria Vasilyevna Okchia slowly getting better at it. Probably won't fix it by the end of this episode, but it's a the effort is what matters, really. So, Maria was a... I'm just going to call her Maria for the rest of this, I think, actually. One of the badasses of the uh, Soviet Union during World War II. She was born into a poor Ukraine family on the Crimean Peninsula on the 16th of August 1905 um, as one of ten children. Uh, she was a serf, yeah, just basically, which is basically like the lowest class of society at this time. It was essentially slavery. I mean, from what I can tell, you couldn't really do anything if you were a serf. Well, without permission at least, as you'd have to work for a landlord. Anyway, a bit, a bit, you went on a bit and... Um, the Russian Empire started to fall with the rise of communism, and basically a lot of these lower these uh, serfs took to communism pretty well. They were like, you know what, we get to do stuff now. With the fall of the Russian Empire in 1922, she basically freed from anyone she answered to, and um, it allowed her to get an education uh, as well as a job in a cannery. And a bit after that, uh, also as a telephone operator. Now, three years after the fall of the Russian Empire, uh, 1925. Maria married Ilya Otkiyevskaya, same surname as before, <laughs> and Ilya was a Soviet army officer. And while married to her husband, she started becoming interested in the military and became involved in the Military Wives Council and trained as a nurse for the army. So she already had this like baseline in military knowledge and um, also learned to use weapons and drive vehicles. And she's quoted as saying, Marry a serviceman and you serve in the army. An officer's wife is not only a proud woman, but also a responsible title. 
was like, they're going to have children, but they were pretty happy. Until the opening of the Eastern Front of World War II, which in the Soviet Union was called the Great Patriotic War. And this opened on the 22nd of June 1941, when Hitler ordered Operation Barbarossa, also known as the Invasion of Russia, as he wanted to increase German territory and this, and also destroy communism. On top of this, by, by conquering the Western Soviet Union, uh, Germany thought it could be repopulated by Germans. Yeah. And it could use Slavic people as a uh, slave labor force for the Axis war effort, as well as seizing the oil reserves of the Caucasus and crops and stuff of the Soviet territories. Agriculture. Yeah. Now, despite Hitler or- originally making a pact with Stalin to keep the Soviet Union out of the war, this invasion went ahead anyway which I believe is still the largest invasion in history today. Now, the Soviets were in a, had a pretty false sense of security going for them. Yeah, due to this pact between uh, Stalin and Hitler, basically to keep the Russians out of the war. But the Russians, like, prepared for an invasion anyway, just in case. You know, they thought the neighbours over there seemed a little shifty. But when it came, uh, they were still taken by surprise, uh, for the most part. Um, especially with the speed and size of the force. On top of this, the Red Army General Staff uh, thought that the Germans were going to come north of the Pripyat marshes into Belarusia, which, which so that, that part was correct. However, um, Stalin also believed that the invasion was going to come south of it because, th- because that would lead to economically important regions in Ukraine. So yeah, so he thought the Germans would target these first um, to try and cripple the Russians. So basically, they got caught deploying their forces when the Germans arrived, and that wasn't so great. Like there were a lot of factors in this. Uh, fight um, apart from this prize like some Soviet tank um, were, were actually superior to what the Germans had but um, they didn't have enough of them they also lacked ammo radios and supply trucks the Germans had these though so they had a massive advantage so in, in response to this invasion um, a lot of evacuations took place um, and Maria was one of the people sent to Tomsk in Siberia um, almost like a month maybe um, the 23rd of August the first battle of Kiev begins. So just a quick overview I'm going to give you, just so we don't take spend too much time on this, um, because that will be a whole other subject. It lasted between the 23rd of August and 26th of September uh, 1941, east and south of Kiev in Ukraine. Uh, and it was between 500,000 Germans and 627,000 Soviet troops. Spoiler warning, the Russians lose this battle. And pretty significantly to that, like... Germany lost 45,654 men. Meanwhile, huh, that can't. Despite 627,000 men for the Soviets, their losses are written down as 700,554 men, with 616, 304 being killed or captured, and 84,240 being wounded and sick, along with 411 tanks and SPGs being destroyed. 343 aircraft destroyed, and 28,419 guns and mortars lost. Now, I'm not sure I've written, I've gotten the losses written down as big in the strength of the Soviets here, but I assume it's probably also, it probably also includes civilian deaths. But I'm not 100% sure on that one, actually, so you're going to have to look that one up before you quote that. It's probably also because of poor counting on battlefields. Anyway, it resulted in a decisive German victory, as you could probably tell by the numbers. The Germans captured Kiev, encircled the Soviet troops, and the Soviets ended up bombing Kiev as part of a scorched-earth policy to reduce the amount the Nazis could loot, 
and it also resulted in the Nazi massacre of the Kiev city residents at Babi Yar. Just to zoom out just a tiny bit before we get back into Maria, just give you the overview of Operation Barbarossa in general. So yeah, Nazis invaded with 3.8 million personnel and 3,300 to 3,800 tanks, 3,030 to 3,072 AFVs, so armed vehicles, and between 2,770 to 5,369 aircraft, 7,200 to 23,500 artillery pieces, with 17,000 mortars. Meanwhile, the Russians had 2.6 to 2.9 million troops, with 11,000 tanks, much more, and 7,133 to 9,100 military aircraft, also more. On top of this, they also had 14 million reserves, and the reserves were usually former conscripts who had finished their mandatory service in the past. But of course, they had to fight again, because, you know, sucks to be done, I guess. And um, in the end, this resulted in over a million German casualties, but almost 5 million Soviet casualties. So, pretty intense. That's about five times as many troops. But anyway, we're not talking about that anymore. We're going back to Maria. So, uh, like I said, Maria got evacuated to Tomsk. And um, so she lived there for two years um, before the news reached her that her husband was killed fighting Nazi forces near Kiev in August 1941, about two years earlier. Which really gives you a perspective on how the, on just how different communications are between now and then. I mean, I'm recording this the night before and giving it to you the day after, pretty much. Two years. Uh, but instead of just mourning, I mean, of course, she probably mourned, but she went above and beyond. In a rage, she sold all of her possessions to donate a tank for the Red Army and became determined to fight the Germans for vengeance. This letter was written to Stalin by Maria. So, my husband was killed in action defending the motherland. I want revenge on the fascist dogs for his death and for the death of Soviet people tortured by the fascist barbarians. For this purpose, I've deposited all my personal savings, 50,000 rubles, to the National Bank in order to build a tank. I kindly ask to name the tank Fighting Girlfriend and to send me to the front line as a driver of said tank. So I attempted to do maths, one whole maths apparently, and I think 50,000 rubles... About ten thousand dollars, which in twenty eighteen terms is it's about one hundred seventy five thousand dollars in terms of buying power. However, I'm not sure that's one hundred percent correct because, um, like I said, that is my maths, not the internet maths. But anyway, like I said, she requested a tank to be named Fighting Girlfriend, and she could drive it uh, on the front lines. Stalin wrote back agreeing, and the State Defense Committee agreed to it being sceptical at first, but also realising the publicity opportunities. So the tank Maria donated was a T-34 medium tank, which was a pretty famous tank, actually. Like, when it was first encountered by the German General Paul Ludwig Ewald von Kleist um, in 1941, he called it the finest tank in the world, along with uh, Hans Guderian, who he basically agreed uh, to the T-34's vast superiority over existing German armour. It ended up actually being the most produced tank of the war, uh, along with the second most produced tank of all time, and also the tank with the most losses of all time, at 44,900. At least in 2010, uh, it still saw limited frontline service, 
uh, with a few developing countries. So, at 38 years old, uh, Maria took part in a five-month tank training program immediately after the donation. And five months of training is actually pretty unusual for the tank crews around now, around this time, as they were usually just rushed to the front line without, with barely any training. And this is probably because they saw it as a publicity stunt. September 1943 comes around, and Maria completes her training, being posted to the 26th Guards Tank Brigade, which is part of the 2nd Guards Tank Corps, and she got posted as a driver and mechanic, emblazoning the words Fighting Girlfriend on the turret of her T-34. Now, on the way to the front lines, a lot of other tank personnel also saw her as a publicist stunt, uh, taking her for a joke for a lot of it. This changed pretty soon afterwards. On the 21st of October, 1943, as Maria fought her first tank battle in Smolensk. Smolensk is about 220 miles west-southwest um, of the capital, which was at Moscow, and um, the Germans had taken the city in 1941 and were stopped there. The Russians managed to take back most of it um, by the 25th of September, 1943, but were still um, having trouble with German resistance and stuff. Now, this is where Maria comes in. Being her first battle um, was still was pretty intense. Uh, she maneuvered the tank through pretty heavy fighting, uh, destroying machine gun nests and artillery guns and stuff. And uh, apparently on her first outing in the tank, she outmaneuvered German soldiers, uh, managed to kill 30 of them, and, take, and took out an, an anti-tank gun. And she was also supposedly the, fr- the first tank to spearhead a full breakthrough of the German position. Of course, this still... Okay, just cool tank driver lady. Now, the reason I like the reason I put this because and realize that she is absolute badass. On top of everything that's already happened during the battle, her tank was hit by gunfire, uh, damaging the tank. So, against orders, uh, Maria jumped out of her tank and repaired it under heavy fire, uh, successfully repairing it and getting back in the tank. For this, she was promoted to the rank of sergeant, and earned a nickname of Mother. A few months later, the Russian newspapers caught wind of Maria's story, and she became a part of communist propaganda. She, yeah, she fought on the front line in multiple battles, and is believed to have been in the Battle of Kursk in 1943, which was the largest tank battle ever in, his, in human history. Like, a letter was written by Maria to her sister, uh, describing her time in the war, uh, in which she said, I've had my baptism by fire. I beat the bastards. Sometimes I'm so angry I can't even breathe. And a month later, on the 17th to 18th of November, Soviet forces captured the town of, no- of Novoye Selo in the region of Vit- Vitebsk uh, during a night battle. And in this, Maria you know, once again earned her reputation as a skilled tank driver. As on the 17th, uh, she took part in an assault on German positions and a German artillery shell exploded against one of her tank's tracks, uh, stopping the tank. So once again, she jumped out, this time with a fellow crewman, and repaired the tank while other crew members gave covering fire from the tank's turret. And once again, they managed to successfully fix the tank and rejoin the main unit several days later. Now her luck would come to an end on the 17th of January 1994, about two months after this incident, as Maria fought in another night attack at the village of, of Shvedi, uh, once again near Vitebsk. And during this battle, she drove her tank around German defences, destroyed a lot of resistance in trenches and machine gun nests, 
and as well as a German self-propelled uh, anti-tank gun. Though the tank was soon after hit by a German anti-tank shell uh, as they aimed at the leading tank in this attack. And once again, the tank was immobilized. Maria once again got out of the tank and began repairing the track. But this time, she, her luck couldn't last, as though she was able to repair the track, she was hit in the head by shell fragments and lost consciousness. Soon after this battle, she was transported to a Soviet military field hospital near Fastov um, around March, and remained in a coma for two months before finally dying on the 15th of March. The next August, Maria Otkia Priskaya was posthumously made a hero of the Soviet Union in recognition of her bravery in the battles around Vitebsk, becoming the first of few female tank drivers to be awarded this title, which was the Soviet Union's highest award for bravery during combat. But yeah, anyway, hope you enjoyed that. That was Maria... <sighs> okay, one more try. Maria Otkia Bruskaya. I hope you enjoyed the story. Uh, honestly, like... An absolute badass. Um, and on that, we'll cut to music and be back with an outro. And we are back. So, just to finish up real quick, uh, I will plug um, Courtney from Cult of Mysticity because... She's a regular listener, yeah. and she's been telling everyone about us recently. Uh, so thank you so much, Courtney. And also, anyone that's spoken to me on Twitter or Facebook, etc. Um, been in talks with some interesting people for guests in the future. Oh, we'll have um, the horror author Isaac Fawn in, uh, in about a week or two. And there are a couple more, but I haven't got confirmations yet, so I, can't re- so I probably shouldn't say them yet. But we'll, we'll see how it goes. So we have social media. Our email is botrpodcast at gmail.com. Facebook at facebook.com slash blood on the rocks. Twitter at the bloody rocks. And Instagram at the bloody rocks. Yeah, I've also set up a Discord chat server um, that you can join absolutely free. It's just like a chat room where you can join and talk to other people that listen to the show. Maybe talk to me sometimes if I'm about. Um, it's a bit basic at the moment. But uh, we have only just I have only just opened it up, and there's also some exclusive patron channels on there as well. Any any tier patron can get can get access to them from like right down to the one dollar a month patrons. And I'll probably post some articles from time to time. If yeah, if you want, you can request stuff um, in the patron request section. I mean, you can request stuff anyway if you if you're not a patron. But um, if we've got a set section for it, I'm more like I'm more like to see it. Yeah, you might get a chance to influence the show if you. Um, if I like what I see. And of course I've got a meme channel because you can post your funny pictures if you want. <laughs> Speaking of Patreon, um, you should go check that out at patreon.com slash blood on the rocks. That's Patreon spelled P-A-T-R-E-O-N. If you just Google Patreon and Blood and Rocks it'll come up. And I think that might be everything this week. I'd say my cool thing of the week this week is going to be uh, Infinity War. But I'm not going to say anything else because I don't want to spoil it. <laughs> Good film, though. I really enjoyed it. But yeah, I think that's everything. So, thank you for listening. Tell your friends. And have a great day. I'll see you next week.
Mother's Day is almost here, and you can get her the most beautiful time-tested gift around. A watch she can wear every day for movement. Whether mom's into classic dress watches, rare and refined ceramics, or tried-and-true bestsellers, movement has something she'll love. And right now, you can save big on the best Mother's Day gift ever with up to 50% off site-wide during Movement's Mother's Day sale at MVMT.com. Again, that's up to 50% off at MVMT.com.